Hi friends, this is episode 19 of the Bible Lab Podcast. You are listening to the Bible Lab Podcast, recorded before a very lively audience on the campus of Loma Linda University. Here's your host, Roy Ice. Hi, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us again. In this episode, we start a brand new series. It's an eight-part series specifically about God, the Holy Spirit, and trying to get to know His character. Now, if you grew up like me, you didn't grow up hearing a lot about the Holy Spirit. He's quite mysterious, and so you might find this just as invigorating as well as you learn all the tools you have available that God truly has placed right here at your disposal, and He wants to have a relationship with you through the Spirit. And so, So we start this new series called My New Life, talking about your new life in the Spirit. And in this first session, we specifically look at what is it that the Holy Spirit is to you. And when you find out the relationship that's available to you, I think it's going to do something in your life today unlike anything you ever imagined. So I'm excited that you're going on this journey with us today. Welcome to the Bible Lab. Number one, I know less about the Holy Spirit than I know about Jesus. I I know less about the Holy Spirit than I know about Jesus. The majority, it looks like about 99% of you are saying yes, a few of you are saying no, and a couple of maybes. So the majority of us here feel like we really know Jesus. He's that tangible one. He's come down here, he's walked, he's talked. We get a sense of who God is as God the Son, but we really don't know this ethereal God, this cloudy God, God the Spirit. Number two, growing up, I was taught that the Holy Spirit is my conscience's voice. Growing up, I was taught that the Holy Spirit is my conscience's voice. The vast majority, vast majority, it looks like about 95%. Okay, 95% you grew up thinking that the Holy Spirit is that mosquito from heaven in your ear right? It's there right when you're about to have fun. Holy Spirit starts buzzing in your ear. But the guy in the red suit on the other shoulder is much more exciting. Number three, my busy schedule is the greatest enemy of my personal spiritual growth. My busy schedule is the greatest enemy of my personal spiritual growth. We're a little bit split on this. It looks like about 60% of you say yes 40% say no, and mixed in between those is a bunch of maybes, okay? The majority of you then are saying that one of the biggest challenges you're having in spiritual growth is just you've got so much to do. Your life is just filled with stuff. And the rest of you are retired. You're looking for stuff to do. (laughs) I know, I'm going to hear it afterwards from the retirees. I've never been more busy. Those darn grandkids. (laughs) number four the holy spirit knows everything in god the father's mind the holy spirit knows everything in god the father's mind wow this is not what i expected but the vast majority it looks like about 95 percent again are saying yes and some of you are saying no i know why you're saying no and several of you are saying maybe but the vast majority of you said yes the holy spirit knows everything in god the father's mind we're going to talk about that today. It's going to be really, really cool. Fifth one, last one. Just like Jesus, 
The Holy Spirit's role is to gather and train disciples. Just like Jesus, the Holy Spirit's role is to gather and train disciples. Ah, we're a little split. We're split on this. Majority yeses, but there are so many maybes there. Wow, I don't think I've ever seen this many maybes. I think about half the crowd just held up both cards. This is where revolution is going to come into your heart today. When this question is answered, yes or no, and you're no longer in the maybe, I don't know. This is going to bring you a revolution today, probably like never before when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And what is his role in your life? What is his, what, what is his uh, revolution that he will bring into your life? And how does he do that? How does the Holy Spirit work? Because if he's not just the little white guy on the left shoulder whispering good things into your ear, if he's not simply just a helper, if he is equal to God, what are, what are we supposed to do with him? And what is he supposed to do with us today? That's what we're going to discuss. But before we get there, I need to get our minds in focus so that when we answer that question, the fifth one there, I need us focused on where we are now so that we can answer when we see what is the Holy Spirit's role to bring us a new life in the Spirit. Paul calls it your new life in the Spirit. doesn't matter how old you are, you can have a new life, a new zest, a new excitement, this youthful spirituality within you. Paul calls it your new life. So how do you take the first steps into a new life? A tangible, concrete experience with the Holy Spirit. And to understand that, let's ask a real-world question. Get your comment and question cards ready. This one, I'm looking for comments. If Jesus came to earth for the first time today, instead of coming when he did, what are some of the realities of life that you would face as you contemplate whether or not to accept his invitation to follow him? Let's just pretend Hypothetical, Jesus didn't come 2,000 years ago. He came today. He comes up to you and says, hey, follow me. This is a revolutionary term, by the way. No self-respecting rabbi would ever come up to you and say, follow me. Every rabbi demanded the student to come up and beg and to apply and to fill out paperwork saying, I am a worthy Disciple, will you please accept me? Jesus instead comes up and blows everyone away by saying, this rabbi does things differently. Come follow me. So let's say the rabbi, Jesus, comes up to you today and says, I want you to be one of my disciples. What are the realities of life you would face today as you contemplate whether or not you would follow him? Well, the first thing I thought of is that we're just, we're such a cynical world. We don't believe what we see. Yeah. So that was just my first thought. Yeah. That. And so how does that plug into, he says, follow me. And, 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 and how does that affect whether you say yes and you follow through with becoming a disciple or not? A lot of times I want to see proof. Ah, April, you are my favorite skeptic. You're, no, you're like me. You know, most of us are. We've been brought up with this statement. Don't believe anything you hear and only half of what you see. 
And that's considered wisdom, according to humanity. And so, even though you see it, we only half believe it. And so, the, the doubt that would come in as far as, am, am I investing my time wisely by doing this when there's so many other things that look better to me? Good. Okay. Over here. You've already used the word and enlarged it very well. Well, thank you, Dan. We, you can stay. We, we are experienced skeptics. Yes. And everything we read or see, as has been said, we question. And particularly if it sounds too good to be true. Yeah. Because humanity's wisdom says if it sounds too good to be true, it is too good to be true. Exactly. Over here. One thing I think would be difficult for a lot of people is just the demand to, you know, leave everything and follow him, especially, but you can have kind of altruistic kinds of things. Well, what about my kids? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, they want me to go. He wants me to go somewhere I've never been, perhaps. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when you, read the, when you read the Gospels, people have had those same things, and they said, well, you know, I have to bury my father. What about my family? And he said, the dead, the dead will bury the dead. Yeah. And that's kind of a shocking statement. You, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure if you can really take it on face value, but mm. I mean, that's, that, that would be very difficult for a lot of people, I think. I totally agree. Because if I were to ask, right, uh, to be asked right now, okay, Roy, drop everything, and I need you to go to Uzbekistan to do ministry, uh, those are the very thoughts that would go through my mind. Uh, and I would be very tempted to say, what's the pay? And how does that equate to how much it costs for food and housing and everything in Uzbekistan? I don't know anything about Uzbekistan. Um, so when you hear about families who do drop everything and go into either localized or foreign missionary service, many of us say, we'll see them in a year or two. We'll have to help them build back up. Because for many of us, we see that as not simply a step of faith, but kind of a leap off of a cliff. Um, and just like what April said, we believe what we can see, and it's, it's just a little bit beyond our comfort zone. And so if God were to say, follow me now, drop your current occupation, or cut back, which Jesus' disciples did. They didn't stop doing what they were doing. They just cut back. Um, many of us would question whether that was God calling or not. Exactly. Over here. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of us already are following hundreds of people on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. Um, I guess my thought is, how would Jesus phrase it in today's language to cut through that yeah. cultural uh, understanding of yeah. following? Exactly. Brilliant, Aaron. And that's why I'm so glad every time you come. Because... The question we have to ask ourselves, in the verses to come, we are asked to follow the Spirit. What phraseology would the Spirit use today to mean the same thing Jesus meant? And when you hear what Scripture says and what Jesus himself said about the coming Holy Spirit, what Aaron just said is going to just explode in your mind in just a few minutes. Yes, Heinz. It seems to me that we would have to start, like everybody starts small. You just gave a good story when you said the first time, 42 people for the three. Now, we have now 
the room is totally full. And uh, Jesus came. He probably had a certain reputation as a carpenter. Today, uh, when I, if I would do something, probably I have established a certain credibility. Yeah. Now, from then on, what are my capabilities? Hmm. Jesus has used tremendous new things like healing. Yeah. Uh, nobody else did it. Yeah. A blind man or a, a, a paralytic. Oh, come, why don't you just get up? People will say that very quickly. Oh, man, did you see that? Yeah. And uh, so my fame or my drawing, my audience would be there very quickly mm. or expand mm. in spite of all the things that are going on outside. Yeah. I, I love it that you brought that up, Heinz, because there is, in my uh, opinion, there is a marked difference between an audience and a disciple. Unfortunately, in Christianity, not just our local context, but Christianity in general, we have called people to become an audience. And we rank pastors and programs based upon how many people are in the audience. We also rate and quantify people's spiritual walk based upon their attendance, not upon their performance. Jesus did not say, go and make congregations. Jesus said, go and make disciples. And what we're going to take a look at today is what does it mean to be not only a disciple of Christ, but a disciple of the Spirit. I see a couple of comments. We're going to come back to you. Let's read through the text because I want to add that extra filter to your comment. As we, as we move forward, because in John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17, which is right there on your study guide, it says, this is Jesus speaking, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. So looking at this, Jesus talking to his disciples, everything is wrapping up. This is the end of Christ's ministry. He's saying the very important things that his disciples need to know. And he says, John 14, verse 16, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. Verse 16 uses the word Another, which in my opinion is the most overlooked word in the study of the Holy Spirit. Most people jump to the next word, which is advocate. The actual word is paraclete. The translation that many translations use is advocate. There's some other words that are used. We'll get to that in just a minute. We spend all of our time looking at what does it mean the Holy Spirit's an advocate. And we start going through trying to write a job description for the Holy Spirit to understand how do I utilize him and, and uh, allow him to connect with me so I can connect with God. But we skip over, in my opinion, one of the most important words, another. What is the significance of the word another in what Jesus is saying here? What do you think? Any of you with the comment cards, you, you're going to address that? Wave your hand if, if you are. Okay, back here. Fad. I think that Jesus is referring there, I've always assumed that he was referring to himself as our advocate okay. to the Father. Okay. 
um, related back to one of the initial questions of the class of having the ability in our schedule to grow closer to God. I've been quite candid with you from the beginning, and you always bring it up in class that it's not about the class. We don't, I don't think we know that much about the reaction of the disciples. Yeah. And if Jesus was to come today, I'm thinking outside of the box that something magical happens. When you first invited me to the Bible lab, I was like, oh, I'll let you know, like it or don't like it. And if you remember, I said, didn't like it, loved it. Well, we lost a dear friend last Sabbath. Yeah, we did. And she had started coming here, and she said to me, something is different about you. Yeah. I know that you love God, but I think it's that first attraction. When, when God asks something, it's just like being attracted for your first love, yeah. you make time to call. My friend here said, well, if you need more time you know, to get closer to God, then you need to change your schedule. But when we are attracted, we find the time to call. I was listening to the Bible Lab at 3 o'clock this morning. That was my niche. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Thad. Love it. Uh, right here. Yes, sir. If Jesus was to ask me to become his disciple, one of the things I'd want to know is, why me? Why would you select me? I'm not competent to be a disciple. Yes. Exactly. And in my experience, the most effective and powerful ministers that I've personally met all came into ministry that same way, saying, I'm not sure if I would be good at it, but the call of God was so heavy on their heart that they continued their steps of faith into ministry, thinking that they would be an absolute failure. And so I agree. I think most of us would look at that because we're looking at personal abilities and not looking at what we're going to take a look at here in a few weeks, which is it doesn't matter what your abilities are because the Holy Spirit will give you gifts and will produce in you fruit. And so God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And so that's what we're going to see. I think someone back here was next. Yes. Okay. When, when I see the word another, when it says that, He's going to give you another advocate. It has to be, it would have to be this, the same substance as the first. Oh, yes. The same. Yes. You can't say I'm giving you another one and it be completely different. Amen. Okay? We've tried that with our kids. They break a toy. We can't find the same one. Here's another one. No, it's not good enough. You know it's not good enough. Even if it's the same thing, just a different color. It's not the same. You might have tried it with goldfish. I don't know. <laughs> Kids can tell. I don't know how. My youngest especially. I can't get anything past him. It has to be the same. Jesus, in a conversation of saying, don't worry, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send you another paraclete. Meaning, Exactly the experience that you have had, you will continue to have. We're going to see in a little while uh, the, the verse that Jesus says, but don't worry, it's an upgrade. It's the same with an upgrade. Jesus says, what you have now, a rabbi that you follow. And as you follow this rabbi, you see, uh, you see how he responds in situations. How does he respond when, when people attack him this way or ask him these questions? What does this rabbi do? What is his character? 
Secondly, for every rabbi that you would follow, not just Jesus, but any rabbi, if you were a disciple of a rabbi, you would watch to see what does this rabbi teach me about the character of God? How does he, through his reaction to conversations, to his teaching, how does he express the character of God? So that just following him, there's an old, uh, old saying that says, oh, that I may be covered with the dust that comes from the sandals of my rabbi. Famous Jewish saying for disciples, you followed wherever they went because you were observing with your eyes and with your spiritual eyes, how does this rabbi help me define the character of God? And your goal was to do exactly what Jesus told them to do. Now you are rabbis and you are going and making disciples. And so if Jesus is telling his disciples, don't worry, what you currently have, you will have another. Which means that the Holy Spirit's role is not simply the nag in your ear. It's not the killjoy telling you you can't do what's exciting and fun and sinful. The Holy Spirit is not subservient. He is another. When you look at the next uh, section there in your study guide, it says, what do you think Jesus meant by the next word? Advocate. We, we translate it as advocate, but many of your translations will use other words, such as helper, comforter counselor, communicator, attorney, or something else altogether. As you look at the commentator's response to each of these words, there's a problem with each of them, even the word advocate, because they all have baggage in which paraclete does not have. Paraclete, ultimately, in many of the more uh, study Bible translations, will just use the word paraclete because it's so unique. Because if you look at words like helper, it gives you the sense that he's your butler, your spiritual butler. Hey, I'm ringing the bell. I need some help. Come help me. He is at your beck and call, which makes him subservient to you. He answers your call. It's not you answering his call. And in everything we read about the Spirit, it is all about you answering the Spirit's call. He does not answer your call. He is God. Secondly, comforter. We get a sense that the Holy Spirit would only come during times of discomfort. So he's available to come make you feel nice and, and cozy during the times that you feel cold and harsh in this world. But that's not really his major role. Although he does bring you peace and comfort, he brings it to you in a different way and not just in the times that you're experiencing discomfort. Counselor, the commentators say there's a problem because we use counselor in a lot of different ways, including camp counselor. And Lord, he's not that. <laughs> if you look at words like communicator, that, that's great. It is something that he does, and we're going to see that a little bit today. But he's more than that because he's not just a go-between. Many of us treat the Holy Spirit as if he's the telephone line between God the Father and us. And all he is is a function of communication. And lastly, advocate and attorney have such legal baggage that makes you immediately think of something. 
When I, if I were to say, the Holy Spirit is your advocate, he's your attorney, picture him in the courtroom, who is he, what does he do? Most of you would say, well, he would defend me, right? That's what you think. Yeah, he's there to defend me against the accusation of the devil. The problem is, in the Greek, it's in the passive Greek tense, which means, no, 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 no. If he is an attorney, and you apply it that way to the Greek understanding of the legal system, that attorney is not a defense attorney, it's a prosecuting attorney. The Holy Spirit then would be defined not as someone saying, oh, he, he didn't mean it, let me go between you and the Father and, and get forgiveness. No, he is between you and the devil saying, you can't have him, he's mine. I'm prosecuting you, I'm making you rack up legal fees because I'm suing you. Because devil, you're unfair. And so in that sense, even the, the term attorney or advocate gives us a sense that he's defending us when no, he's not defending us. He's our attorney between us and Satan, prosecuting Satan. So that's why most translations have just simply said, it's probably best to just let it be a unique word, paraclete, which is a compound word. Para means alongside and cleat meaning helper, a helper who comes alongside. Jesus himself says, I'm your paraclete, disciples. I came alongside you. I said, follow me. And because of the journey that we went on together, you learned about God like you never would have before. Jesus says, in the same way that you've had a discipleship experience with me, your paraclete, I'm sending you another. And this paraclete will walk along with you forever. My time's done, but this next guy does not have an expiration date. He will be with you till the end of time. So as we look at that, if Jesus also considered himself to be a paraclete, what do you think he was offering to all his disciples until the end of time? What was he offering? I wasn't going to speak to that right now. Yeah? My reference is to my personal objection to the killjoy reference on the shoulder. Yes, you and I both had that objection. I think I would rather reference that as the real joy call <laughs> on my it. shoulder. I love it. In a guiding sense, mm -hmm. not a can't do, yeah. but a better than perspective yes. exactly. of the environment, the relationship I have. And rather than look at the negative uh, side of all of those helpers yes. that you have listed there, yeah. I'd like to see every one of those in a very positive sense because mm -hmm. I need, yes. at certain points in my life, yes. I need each of those dimensions of support. Mm -hmm. And the Lord Jesus said, just as I've been along beside you, the Holy Spirit is along beside you to be all of those, all of that. Yes. That you will encounter in your experience. Absolutely. Once again, Dan, you're a man ahead of your time, about two minutes ahead of your time. <laughs> so don't get too full of yourself. But that's what the next scripture is all about. Because it is so far beyond what we've treated the Holy Spirit as. We've treated the Holy Spirit as an agent of God, we have not treated him as God. 
We have treated him as someone who comes when we have needs, and we don't treat him as someone who says, I have needs. I have prayer requests for you. And if you have this mind of Christ, which we're getting to in two minutes, then you will no longer see me in the negative aspects as a killjoy. You will see me as the person who brought you new life. Your mind is changed. Everything you see, your perception has changed. You see things that no one else can see. And when you try to share them, people say, I don't get it. Because there's no possible way that they can wrap their mind around the mind of Christ. And the Holy Spirit brings that. It says right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 through 16, it says, These are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given to us. This is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. It's a, it's a whole other language. Verse 14, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments, for who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. I've heard people say countless times in my lifetime, oh, I changed my mind. That's not what they're talking about. Because this is a complete rewiring of your mind. It is accessing parts of your mind you've never used before, the spiritual parts of your mind. And so when you begin to understand that the Holy Spirit is not merely a subservient agent who comes into your life to help you during times of trouble and to guide you away from trouble, when you understand it is truly God's mind who says, I want to be in you and change your mind into my mind. That takes care of everything you talked about, Dan. It takes care of not only the perspective of who God is, it changes the perspective of who you are and your life calling and your life purpose and the very reason why you have breath in your lungs, the reason why you have minutes in a day, the reason why you have interactions with people, the reason why people come up to you and without prompting talk to you about spiritual matters is because they sense the presence of God in you, and when you speak, you utter with words you don't even know where they came from. Why? Because they didn't come from you. They come from the mind of God himself. The Holy Spirit says, I want you to have a new life, but the new life is not adding to your mind. The new life is changing your mind into the mind of Christ. That's how he gives you victory over sin. That's how he gives you victory over temptation. That's how he gives you victory is because it's no longer you doing it, but Christ living in you. Over here, you've waited so patiently. Um, actually, Britt's been waiting so patiently, and I had a thought. First, he was down there, and I'm going to just say real quick, and then please help Britt's left arm. <laughs> um, 
here where it says Jesus also considered him to be a paraclete, what do you think he was offering to all his disciples until the end of time? Yeah. Well, first of all, I believe the Godhead decided as a threesome that they would send Jesus to be able to show humankind, teach them about the Father. Mm-hmm. And then now as Jesus is preparing the disciples for his departure, he's pointing them to the Holy Spirit who will continue to show them yes. the Father. Because Jesus also said, just after promising them in 14 through 16 about the coming Holy Spirit, he says, there's many things I want to share with you. You're just not ready for it yet. He says, you're not ready for it ever. He says, you're not ready for it yet. But don't worry, I'm sending another paraclete who will guide you into all truth. And so you're absolutely right. Um, the Holy Spirit's role is to continue explaining what in the progress of spiritual growth and the understanding of the character of God that even the disciples spending three and a half years with him were not yet ready. And that's where the Holy Spirit picks up and says, I have progressive revelation for you. I'm going to continue teaching you about the character of God and helping you see what God is all about. My quickest question, comment ever. Could we see it in today's language as Jesus as an external drive and the indwelling of the Spirit as an internal drive? I I love that because they both plug into the same system. They both give us access to information. And so I I do agree. that The reason why Jesus says in John 14, verse 17, uh, this... this, uh, the spirit that's been with you, but will be in you, is talking about uh, just how the role of the spirit before the cross and after the cross, he, he had the ability of having more territory. We're going to get to this in a couple of weeks. But why is the Holy Spirit able to act differently after the cross than before the cross? And Jesus is saying, don't worry, with what we're doing, with what we figured out as a Godhead, we have opened up a system that after I pay the price, the Holy Spirit will not simply be with you and in your presence, the Holy Spirit will tabernacle himself within you. And so we're going to get to that. In looking at this and in, in, in needing to close today, I want to ask you this question. If Jesus says the Holy Spirit is the forever rabbi that will be with us until the end of time, what does that mean for us today? Does it mean that instead of looking at the Holy Spirit as a helper, as someone who can be there for us when we need, what if the Holy Spirit is saying, follow me? I am that next paraclete. And there's upgrades. You can see it right there in the text of of, uh, John uh, 16, verse 7, that Jesus says, it is to your advantage that I go away so that this helper will come. The upgrades... That all of us, no matter what our daily schedule is, that today we can say, yes, I'm going to follow you, Rabbi, because you are God. And who better to learn the character and nature of God than God himself? God is calling us in starting a new life with him to say, regardless of the sacrifices I have to make, I will apprentice myself to God the Spirit understanding that when he comes into into my life in a constant way, 
as the dust of his sandals is kicked up onto me, I will grow in ways that I never thought possible in understanding who God is and what I'm on earth for. Today, my challenge for you throughout this week as you pray to God, and by the way, make sure you look at the, uh, at the section at the bottom. I retitled it instead of Embrace Life. I titled it What I Want You to Do because I'm not sure you're doing it. I want you to talk to God this week about this. God, am I willing to be a disciple of the Spirit? Am I willing to cut back on the things that are taking the place of God's discipling moments in my life? Am I leaving room for the dust of God's sandals to kick up on me? Am I in the place where God needs me to be so that I can truly experience what this mystery is called the mind of Christ. I guarantee if you will start on that journey this week, the Holy Spirit will make plain to you things that I never could and that no one else could because he knows the very deep things of the mind of the Father and things that the Father has wanted to express to you all your life, you just weren't ready for it. Oh, isn't it great to be able to be a modern-day disciple today for God, the Holy Spirit? I hope that today, as you continue getting closer to God, that you'll just continue praying to God, Lord, how can I follow you today? I need to hear your prayer request. I need to hear who you need me to reach out to and to truly be your disciple. I hope you'll come back for episode 20 because we're going to continue this discussion about the Holy Spirit. Specifically, we're going to be taking a look at how the Holy Spirit helps you navigate through this world of sin. How does he help you even understand what sin is? And I can't wait for you to hear that definition. So come on back and join us for episode 20. Thanks for being a part of this journey with us. Thank you for listening to the Bible Lab Podcast. If you're planning a trip to Southern California, make sure to reserve your VIP seats in the Bible Lab by emailing us at info at Programs are recorded each Saturday at 10.30 a.m. We hope to see you soon. Until then, we wish you God's richest blessings as you continue to research and develop the character of God.